Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, by popular demand, and I very much am thankful for the number of people that reached out to me to discuss this topic, we are going to talk about the unusual set of White House executive orders that went out yesterday and what, if any, impact those executive orders have, most specifically on Tencent Holdings. And the reason for that is because Tencent has such an enormous presence in the video game industry. Now, before we talk about that specifically, I want to talk about some of the headlines that I saw go up. The reason that so many people contacted me is because headlines like the one in the Associated Press, Trump bans dealings with Chinese owners of TikTok and WeChat, or like in Screen Rant, executive order targeting Tencent could have huge effect on games industry, wound up scaring people, wound up with folks looking at what they were playing, whether it's League of Legends or Fortnite or something on mobile, like anything from Supercell, which Tencent also has an ownership interest in, and saying, what, if any, effect does this executive order have on the ability of these games to continue to exist? And so... If you aren't familiar with Tencent Holdings, it's worth noting now that Tencent is a Chinese company, does have a connection with the Chinese government, and does have significant ownership interests in at least some games which you very likely play and otherwise enjoy. They have full ownership of Riot Games, the heads of League of Legends and now Valorant, which has taken over Twitch and streaming in general. They own Funcom, makers of The Longest Journey. No? No one? Well, I guess I'm a little bit old. They own the developers of The Path of Exile. They own the developers of Fortnite, or they own a portion, a minority interest in the developers of Fortnite. Epic Games, 40%, which is now worth a whole lot of money. And you go on and on and on down this list. And so if you're following these kinds of things, if you know they have, for instance, a minority interest in Activision Blizzard, one of the big publishers that is probably recognizable, or in Ubisoft, or anything else that you might otherwise like, you probably looked at this news and were seeing tweets or social media posts like this one that says Trump's executive order will ban U.S. individuals from doing business with folks like Riot Games, Supercell, Epic Games, Funcom, League of Legends, and Valorant are dead pretty much. This is bad information. But social media doesn't really eliminate bad information from getting out there. And so when folks see this, they say, hey, I know Rick is a lawyer. He talks about these kinds of things all the time. Can Rick dive into the actual terminology of the executive order, help explain what it is, what it does, what it means? And the answer is yes, in part. So one thing I will say in respect of this particular executive order is that it is written terribly. Now, that isn't unique necessarily to presidential executive orders, Trump administration executive orders. If you've been following along with any state in which you might live in the United States or perhaps any country that you might live in the world, you're probably seeing a bunch of executive orders due to 2020 being 2020. And if you are looking at the actual text of any of those executive orders, you will see that they are often written haphazardly and certainly not in a way that the common person should be able to read them and should be able to comply with them. So when we look at this executive order, we will see exactly how it was written. We will see exactly what they were trying to do under the statutory authority given to them. But before we even talk about this executive order, we actually have to dive into an executive order that was issued at roughly the same time. Did you catch that word change? Yeah. These are the same executive order, give or take, but with minor differences. And unfortunately, the TikTok 
executive order is the one that was issued first. And so that's where a lot of the kind of foundational information lives as to what's happening here. So we actually have to start with the TikTok order. And so we go and we look at an executive order like this and we see first what authority the president says that he has to issue an executive order like this. If you aren't familiar with the overall infrastructure of the legal system in the United States, you have the constitution on top, then you have Congress pass the laws beneath it, then you have executive agencies pass rules and regulations to enforce those laws that Congress passed. And in between all of that, you've got executive orders which do what the president wants, or maybe in your state, what the governor wants. And the only way that the president or governor can do the things that they proclaim to do in an executive order like this one is to look to law that has otherwise delegated the authority for them to do so by the actual legislative body. So here the president says, look, I have the power to do everything I'm about to do under these specific acts, the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, which we're going to take a look at really briefly, the National Emergencies Act, and then Section 301 of Title Three of the United States Code, which we're not going to talk about in this video, but which essentially just allows the president to delegate the power otherwise given to him to someone else in his cabinet. Uh, and in this case, I think it's the Secretary of Commerce, uh, as well as some other secretaries. So when we take a look at this, it's always a good idea when you get a paragraph like this, if you're a lawyer or otherwise just interested in these things, to go and look up these statutes. So the very first one, the most important one that we look up is this International Emergency Economic Powers Act. And we see here in that section 1701 that it says that any authority granted to the president by section 1702 of this title, so we're going to have to look at that as well, may be exercised to deal with any unusual and extraordinary threat which has its source in whole or substantial part outside the United States. So what this says is the, the authority that we're going to grant to you in this other section, which we will absolutely have to read, may be exercised to deal with something that you identify as unusual and extraordinary originating outside the United States, and it has to affect national security if you have declared a national emergency with respect to such threat. And this is only applicable to things that are declared national emergencies, which means we are also going to have to find a national emergency to attach this to, which helpfully the executive order actually references. And it says that the powers that are granted under this act may only be exercised to deal with that threat with respect to which a national emergency has been declared. And for no other purpose, any exercise of such authorities to deal with any new threat shall be based on a new declaration of national emergency. Now, that's one thing that's going to pop up here. So it's taking a step back. One of the things that's definitely going to happen here is lawsuits or at least legal action threatened uh, by these particular companies because they are being essentially named and their economics are being hurt. If you went and you looked at the morning news this morning, you will see that 10 cent holdings share price has gone way, way, way down. I think it's a 10% drop essentially overnight uh, because of this executive order. And so these companies are going to look at this and say, that's, that's not any way to handle an economy. We don't like this. And so there will be lawsuits. One of those lawsuits is going to be on the fact that can you use a national emergency that was kind of broad and umbrella declared back in May of 2019 to then identify a new company, a new application that that company sells, and then restrict the ability of parties to transact with that application and with that parent company? And the answer to that is, I don't know. The answer to that is nobody knows. The answer to that is the White House doesn't know. They're asserting this authority, and we will see that there is a kind of broad ability of the president to do this kind of thing. But whether or not that will survive judicial scrutiny is something that's an open question. And even that risk of loss 
at the judicial level is still worth 10% of 10 cents market capitalization. Executive orders are real things and they're real dangerous. And it's one of those things that I've said in this space on a number of occasions. Last week, we just talked about government overreach and exactly why we shouldn't want this kind of rule by individual rather than rule by legislature to kind of rule the day. And even if you hate Tencent, I know a lot of you do. I just spoke about Tencent uh, with, uh, I believe it was Colin Moriarty on, uh, on his show last week. Even if you hate Tencent, then you still should at least look circumspect at actions like this, which aren't actions of Congress, which aren't taken up by the elected uh, officials of all the various jurisdictions in the country and are instead just put upon the country and essentially the world by one person who has determined them to be a national emergency. Now, once he says that it's a national emergency, once he says that it's an unusual and extraordinary threat, what does he have the authority to do? That's where Section 1702 comes in. It says the president may, under such regulations as he may prescribe, do a bunch of things. This is actually about the securities markets here at the top. They may investigate, block during the pendency of an investigation, regulate, direct and compel, nullify, void, prevent or prohibit any acquisition, holding, withholding, use, transfer, withdrawal, transportation, importation, or exportation of or dealing in or exercising any right, power, privilege with respect to. Let's all skip that, right? That's all legalese. But it basically says the president can regulate or prevent or prohibit transactions involving any property in which any foreign country or a national thereof has any interest by any person or with respect to any property that is subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. So that's a lot of language there. But it basically says you can regulate or prohibit any transaction involving anybody outside the United States, any foreign country or national thereof, by anybody within your jurisdiction. And that's an extraordinarily broad power where you can just declare that there's a national security threat of some kind to the people and property of the United States, and then you can regulate that transaction. And in fact, if we go and we look at the other things that are cited by the president in his executive order, he has cited specifically the ability of himself to declare a national emergency on these grounds with respect to acts of Congress authorizing the exercise during the period of a national emergency of a special or extraordinary power. The president is authorized to declare that emergency. That's how the national emergency acts are to be read. So when we go and we look at these statutes, when we go and we look at all these things, broadly, we get into fights about the language. We get into fights about whether or not you can do this thing or that thing, whether what is happening under these executive orders falls under this particular bucket. But in a very broad umbrella sense, Congress has in fact delegated to the office of the presidency the ability to declare a national emergency and then the ability to regulate basically anything that happens on an international basis in respect of that national emergency. And so when we get into these fights, when we get into these discussions, yes, this is an extraordinarily broad power. This is not the kind of thing that I like to see, as I just mentioned. But Congress has said, President, we're okay with you doing this. And in fact, the list of national emergencies in the United States is so long that presidents have been doing this kind of thing for basically forever. I've pulled up the Wikipedia entry for this particular thing. It's not complete. I don't believe it's up to date fully with everything that has ever happened. But you can see here, even in this particular description of national emergencies, 69 emergencies have been declared. Another 35 are currently in effect. You go and you look at this. We're looking for green boxes on the side. We've got one from President Carter from 1979. We've got a number from President Bill Clinton still in action from 1994, 1995. 1996, 1997, 
We have a number from Bush the second. We have a number from Obama. As you can see, national emergency is a way of life here in the United States and in many other jurisdictions, to be fair. And we have a number of these national emergencies that are still active from President Trump. And in particular, we are interested in this one from May 15th, 2019. And the reason we're interested in that one is if we go and we look in the TikTok description of events here, we see that the first paragraph of what he is doing relates specifically to that declaration of national emergency. I, the president, find that additional steps must be taken to deal with the national emergency with respect to the information and communications technology and services supply chain declared in executive order 13873 of May 15th, 2019. Specifically, the spread in the United States of mobile applications developed and owned by companies in the People's Republic of China continues to threaten the national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States. At this time, action must be taken to address the threat posed by one mobile application in particular, TikTok. And if we go and we look at that specific national emergency declaration, we see basically what he just said. I, the president, find that foreign adversaries are increasingly creating and exploiting vulnerabilities in information and communications, technology, and services. I further find that the unrestricted acquisition or use in the United States of information and communications, technology, or services, designed, developed, manufactured, or supplied by persons owned by, controlled by, or subject to the jurisdiction or direction of foreign adversaries augments the ability of those folks to create and exploit vulnerabilities in information and communications, technology, or services. So said another way, He's using the powers granted to him under, with specificity, this particular act to say, hey, I can declare a national emergency because we've got an issue specifically that has to be answered by this kind of action, regulation, prohibition on transactions involving folks outside the United States. And so he uses his authority under these statutes to do that specific declaration. And then you wind up with things like this things that happened yesterday. And you go and you look at what happened with TikTok. First, they describe TikTok. They say TikTok's a video sharing mobile application. I'm sure many of you that are in this space are familiar with that application. And then the White House says, TikTok automatically captures vast swaths of information from its users. This data collection threatens to allow the Chinese Communist Party access to Americans' personal and proprietary information potentially allowing China to track the locations of federal employees and contractors, build dossiers of personal information for blackmail and conduct corporate espionage. Now, one interesting thing here, and this is an executive order under a broad delegated authority. So the things that we're going to discuss right now are not necessarily things that are going to win the day in any kind of litigation action. But you or I could look at that paragraph and say, well, you say they collect a lot of data. There's a lot of companies that collect a lot of data, Facebook, YouTube, the U.S. government. There are a lot of entities that collect a lot of data. You don't actually tie that collection of data to the threats that you then say in the rest of the paragraph, which is if you have all this data, you can do all these bad things. But we don't actually have to establish that. The president is allowed to declare the national emergency on their own, which is one of the reasons why national emergency acts and the powers delegated by Congress are effectively so dangerous. He continues on, the risks are real. He's got all these problems. He says, hey, other places have banned this application as well, so I'm justified in that. And then here's the, here's the actual prohibition. The following actions shall be prohibited beginning 45 days after the date of this order to the extent permitted under applicable law. Any transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States with ByteDance Limited or its subsidiaries. So, if we look at this broadly, 
This is an easier one to read than the one that we're really interested in, which is with respect to WeChat. And this says that in 45 days, any transaction by any person that the United States has jurisdiction over. So if you live in the United States, absolutely. Maybe if you're uh, living abroad, but are otherwise still a citizen of the United States, if the United States has jurisdiction over you, they are banning any transaction that you might have with ByteDance Limited or its subsidiaries. And that is a very broad order. It's certainly going to be fought in court, but it's also simple to read. Now, where we have an issue is as we look at this TikTok executive order, this is also used as the basis for this WeChat executive order. And that's really why we had to look at the TikTok order first. So we have the same kind of powers that are authorized here. We have the same kind of reference to additional steps that need to be taken with respect to the existing national emergency. They then reference the TikTok executive order. They say, hey, go read that. As I explained over there, we have this problem with mobile applications developed in China. They then describe WeChat as a messaging, social media, and electronic payment application owned by the Chinese company Tencent Holdings Limited with reportedly over 1 billion users worldwide, including users in the United States. Like TikTok, WeChat, WeChat automatically captures vast swaths of information, and this data collection threatens to allow the Chinese Communist Party access to Americans' personal and proprietary information, etc., etc., just in the very same way that they described with respect to TikTok. The United States must take aggressive action against the owner of WeChat, that's Tencent, to protect our national security. But as we go and we dive in, this is where people got really confused. And, and not just people on my social media, not just people that are asking me the question, but in honesty, everybody that was reporting on this late last night got confused about what this executive order was intended to do. And I can't blame them. This isn't written in a way that makes a lot of sense. But if we go and we look at what this actually says, we can see in the orange and the yellow the exact same language that was used with respect to TikTok. Any transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States with Tencent Holdings or any subsidiary of that entity. Now, all the video game companies we talked about are subsidiaries. Subsidiary doesn't require whole ownership. So it's not just Riot. It's not just Funcom. It's not just these people that are described as fully owned. It would include Epic Games. It would include those kinds of things. But where the language changes here is with this blue language. It's not just any transaction by a, a United States citizen with Tencent Holdings. It's any transaction that is related to WeChat by any given person under the jurisdiction of the United States with respect to Tencent Holdings. And so you can get that directly from the comparison that you can make with TikTok. You can establish that they clearly intended to narrow the focus of this particular prohibition away from the prohibition that they put forth with respect to TikTok. And I read this late last night. I could see that immediately. I put out a tweet that said that, essentially, that everybody's over-reporting it. Don't worry about it so much. Obviously, this has massive ramifications for Tencent anyway. WeChat's a major application of theirs. But when we are talking about, is it going to hit Fortnite or League of Legends or Supercell or anybody else? The answer is no. That doesn't appear to be what the executive order intended. And you ask, why was it written this way, Rick? They've got all these commas. They've got all this extra stuff. And the answer to that is because they are trying to hit all of these specific requirements that they have for the exercise of this particular power. 
right? Whenever you see really weird language in something like this, whenever you're looking at something like this and saying, well, that is written horribly, it undoubtedly is, and the lawyer should do a better job. But what they're trying to do is trying to say, hey, this falls under this bucket that we were just looking at. This is, we have the ability to prohibit transactions involving any property in which any foreign country or national thereof has any interest by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. So they just take this language, they copy paste it, and they try to say exactly that. You see that with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. That's not how a person talks. That's right. Not, that's not how you talk. It's not how I talk, but it is exactly what the statute says. Now, I personally think you could draft this to be very much clearer and say, hey, you're going to talk specifically about only those transactions related to WeChat. And in general, Epic Games running Fortnite isn't going to have a transaction that is related to WeChat. So this doesn't affect them. But you still have this reporting. You still have all this concern. And I don't blame people. I don't blame people for reporting it on this way. I don't blame people for getting concerned about their own companies. I wouldn't blame Riot for calling up their local congressmen or their lawyers and saying, do we have a problem here? But it's clear that the White House intended to narrow this. And it's even clearer when you see some of the clarifications that they gave very, very early this morning, like in the LA Times, where they say a White House official on Thursday night clarified that the executive order concerning WeChat only blocks transactions related to WeChat, not those involving other Tencent holdings, which is clear enough for someone versed in kind of reading and parsing out these various sections. And it's clearer, as you can undoubtedly see, if you color the various portions of the sentences differently. So, you know, I recommend using highlighters if you're so inclined, but it's not terribly clear in its breadth. It's not terribly clear that this is the kind of power that the White House should be able to exercise. And it's not terribly clear that you should want the White House to exercise the power in this way. If you've got a problem with WeChat or Tencent or any of these other kinds of technologies, I'm very much in favor of Congress actually going through the effort of putting forth laws, putting forth sanctions, doing those kinds of things outside of just the executive and his pen and his phone. But unfortunately, that's the world in which we live right now. I hope this was helpful. I know a number of people asked for me to cover this topic early this morning. If you have other questions, you know, please feel free to DM me on Twitter or otherwise raise my attention for things that I might not otherwise be seeing because we are very busy at Hoaglaw as of late. But I am, again, very grateful for those that are interested in my opinion and my readings of these kinds of things. And so if you are interested in those topics and others, please do check out the rest of Virtual Legality. Like, subscribe, share, ring bells, do all that good stuff. We are talking about these kinds of things business and law through the prisms of pop culture, the things that you are otherwise interested in, video games, movies, music, TV, all the time in this space. We just recently talked about Dr. Disrespect and a Patreon lawsuit and how that affects places like Twitch and Ubisoft and certainly potentially other companies that have terms of service that are vulnerable to the kind of attack that Patreon is currently going through. And we talk about things like the console war and marketing of various video game companies all the time. So if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Thank you.